Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Let's get to God's Word. James chapter 4. Uh, you know I'm an evangelist, and uh, this is one of my favorite texts. James chapter 4 and 5. This is... Uh, this is a revival passage. If you've been in church much at all, you know that word, don't you? Revival. And uh, probably the heart of it is uh, verse 8, where he says, you know these words, don't you? Draw nigh to God, and what will he do? A little bit louder, would you? Draw nigh to God, and what will he do? You all believe that's true? So if you got a need in your life today, there's a God in heaven who cares. You can say amen to that, can't you? And if you need to be saved today, there's a God in heaven who saves. And if you have a burden in your heart. There's a God in heaven that can lift it. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. But really, the whole theme here begins uh, way back up in verse 1. So let's just begin reading, and then I'll let you be seated. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. How many of y'all know these verses, do you? Are they familiar to you? I want to just use them today, and I'm going to title my message, Two Revival Steps We Can Take Today. That's two revival steps we can take today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know this. You need help in your family? Here's two steps you can take today. You got a burden in your heart? Here's two steps you can take today. You far from God? Here's two steps you can take today, and they're right here in the text. Father, bless these next few moments. Help all of us to receive your word with gladness, I pray. And I ask these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Now you may be seated. How many of you know about revival? Do you? Have you been raised in church a lot? I was raised in the mountains of Tennessee and revival was part of our lives. My dad got saved when I was in kindergarten in a revival service on a Monday night. And it always stands out in my mind because my dad is very shy, very quiet. Uh, country as the day is long, and we went to this revival service. There were two rows of pews in the middle aisle, you know, and our family sat almost at the back on the middle aisle, and uh, right, right, right on the edge, right by the aisle. And and the preacher preached that night. And I I remember as a boy he preached two things. Y'all ready for this? Number one, he said you ought to get saved through Jesus because he died and was buried and was raised from the dead to save you. How many y'all agree? That's pretty good. Everybody ought to get saved through Jesus. He died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead for you. And the second thing he preached is, you ought to throw away your TV. That's the second thing he preached. <laughs> and that's just, that's, I'm as serious about that as I know how to be. He said, you got to get saved and you ought to throw away your TV. Now, my dad that night interrupted the service. I'll never forget that. Uh, the preacher had just finished and he said, now bow your head and close your eyes. And when he did, 
my dad stood up. Everybody else bowed their head and closed their eyes. You've done that many times. Let's go to prayer. We all bow our heads and close our eyes. When we did, my dad stood up. My dad out loud in the Monday night service stood to his feet and said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And, you know, it was an awkward time because, you know, do you bow your head or do you peek? You know, everybody's, everybody's kind of, you know, caught off guard there. My dad said this out loud. He said, hey, I want to get saved right now. Can I? The evangelist said, now you just hold on a minute. We'll sing and then you can, all right? He didn't say that. I just made that up. He said, sure, come on. And my dad came to the front. They prayed with him. and He trusted Christ. And he went home that night and threw away our TV. I hated that evangelist. Because every time the man came to town, we always threw something else away. If he had kept coming, we wouldn't have had nothing left. But I, I just love revival. You know, revival is a meeting. Yeah, I said, let's, let's schedule a revival and let's go to church every night for a week and seek God. But James is telling us right here that revival is more than that. Revival is any time in my life when I say, God, you know, I got a need and I got to get close to you because I don't know what to do about this need and you got to help me with this need. What the Bible says is no matter what's going on in your life, you draw nigh to God, you know what he'll do? He'll draw nigh to you. And he says it like it's a done deal. Do y'all know that phrase, done deal? It's like, it's like he even considers it. God's up in heaven and he's almighty and he's all powerful and he can do anything. You praise God for that, don't you? And here's what he says, just as clearly as if it's nothing, just like it's no big deal. He says, look, don't you know that if you'll get to me, I'll get to you. If you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. If you'll turn to me, I'll turn to you. Years ago, I was in Alabama and I preached on this, this, this text, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. And I thought I did a pretty good job preaching on it. I mean, I covered it from all angles. And when I got done, the pastor of that little country church, he got up and he said, now y'all, he said, what Brother Young's trying to say is this. <laughs> okay, that was kind of a little caught off guard there. Now y'all, what Brother Young's trying to say is this. And I'll never forget how he closed the service. He said, what Brother Young's trying to say is this. He said, if you'll lean toward God, he'll walk toward you. He said, you walk toward God, he'll, uh, he'll run to you. He said, you run toward God, he'll fly to you. And here's what he said. I'll never forget this. He's just, you know, countries a day is long. He's from Alabama. He said, you fly to God and he'll hug your neck. And isn't that a simple way to look at it? You almost get the idea that God loves us, don't you? You almost get the idea God likes us. I care about you. I'm on your side. I know all that's going on in your life. And I'm available. Draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. It's the promise of this text. If you got trouble at home, here's a good, good advice for you. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. And he gives us the two steps we got to take to get there. Did you see them in the text? You probably could figure them out on your own. But here's the first one. It's one word. It's a good word. It's a, it's a good word. You like it? Here's the first word. How do you get to God? Here's how. Humility. Doesn't he say that in the text? Right there in verse 6. You see it? You got your Bible? Look there in verse 6. God gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the, the humble. Then he says down here in the, uh, the 10th verse, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will he do? He'll lift you up, which is a Bible way of saying, if you got needs in your life, you get low and God will bring you up. You get down and God will bring you up. You get to God and God will do something about it. It all starts with humility. You know why we have so little revival in many of our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our homes? Because it's really hard in our generation for us to find humility. And yet humility is always essential if I'm going to draw nigh to God 
and see him draw nigh to me. It starts very simply. There's got to be humility in your life. And it is a tricky word, isn't it? How do you preach about humility? I, I heard one preacher joke one time, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish my new book. It's entitled, My Humility and How I Attained It. How I many y'all agree that's a problem, isn't it? One other preacher said, you know what? I'm going to write a book entitled, The World's Most Humble People and How I Trained Them. How I many y'all doesn't work that way? How I many y'all know that? Doesn't work that way, does it? What is this humility? I do know this about humility. Humility is something, and I think I got a screen here for you. Humility, look at this. Put that next screen up. Humility is, uh, uh, sin is something that can humble us. Life is something that can humble us. And we're commanded to humble ourselves. How many of y'all know that sin can humble you? Does that ever happen in your life? Y'all know this verse? The way of a transgressor is what? It's true, isn't it? Sin sure can humble you. When you and I let sin into our life and we live for ourselves and the world and the flesh and the, the, the devil himself, sin will just humble us. And it's, it's never, you know, we, 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 could, we could be maybe a little hard and say, well, you know, you deserve it. But that's hard to say because we've all experienced it, haven't we? Sin can humble us, but life can too, can it? Life just has a way of humbling. Have you ever noticed that? Life can humble you. And sometimes in a, in a, in a, no big, in a way that's no big deal. Like, for instance, when I was in the third grade, I went to Wartburg Central Elementary School in Wartburg, Tennessee. In the third grade, the third grade had a lead part in the annual Christmas program in our public school. And I tried out for a role in the third grade, and I got one of the lead roles in the play as a third grader. The entire school's going to be there. It's open to the public. Moms and dads are coming. The mayor was there. The sheriff's going to be there. All the elected officials, tiny little Wartburg, Tennessee, everybody's coming. It was a big event. And I, in the third grade, won the part of Santa Claus in the elementary Christmas school program. It was a great day. I, I, uh, I only, one other, only one other guy tried out for it, and that was my buddy Bobby. And uh, I could remember the lines, and Bobby couldn't, so I got the part. And they dressed me up. I remember the school bought me a little Santa Claus outfit. They glued a beard on my face and had this thing they packed around my middle and tied it with a belt, you know, so I'd look at least a little more like a Santa Claus. And the day came, and I don't know, there's probably 800 people in the gymnasium. And we had a little stage at the end like this. And over here, you know, is the basketball courts and all that. And then there's bleachers along the side. And they'd put down this carpet of some sort and their seats all where the basketball court is and the bleachers are full. And, and, and I remember I came out and said my lines and actually came up on the platform on the side. And then I had to crawl out of the sleigh and jump off of the platform and, you know, a ho, 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 a couple of times. Those, I, I got those lines pretty easily. And, uh, and I put some, you know, presents in the stockings and then I had to crawl back under a little cardboard fireplace and jump onto the platform for the grand finale of the uh, elementary school Christmas program. And the grand finale was just amazing. I got to be the one to do it. You got to have to stand up here on the platform, put your hands in the air and say something like this, Merry Christmas to all and to all a... And I did it beautifully and it changed my life because I went under that cardboard fireplace and I jumped onto the platform and that plastic belt that was holding my pants up caught on the edge of that little lip, that little lip right there. And it ripped that plastic belt in half, but I didn't know it. 
And I jumped to my feet with great exuberance, just like my teacher said, in front of 800 or 900 people. And I put my hands in the air and started my lines. My pants fell down around my ankles. It was the most humiliating experience of my life. My sister was there. The mayor, parents, Merry Christmas to all. Life can humble you. How many of y'all know that? Y'all with me on that? I preached a meeting not long ago in this church in Kansas. The pastor's son is a major league baseball player. I didn't meet at his house to see his major league baseball collection of memorabilia. Spent a couple hours with him, looked through all this stuff, read articles. He told me all about, you know, the people he knows and the traveling he does and all that goes into being a major league baseball player. And then he said, let me show you my prize, my prize collection. He goes to this right at the end of the basement before you go up the stairs to, to exit the house there. There was, a, there was this cabinet with glass in it and these baseballs. And, and he said, take a look at this one. He handed me a signed and autographed baseball. And, and he said, look at that. And I looked at it and I knew that name. Except it's not a major league baseball player. It was a pastor I know. He had, a, he had an autographed baseball from a pastor I know. He said, look at this one. And he said, it was an evangelist I know. I'm here preaching in his church. And here's what he said. He said, uh, when, when, when God sends a great preacher to our church and, uh, and God really uses him in my life, always bring him over to my house and have him sign one of my baseball. Turns around and he reached over and got this blank baseball. And I thought, this is awesome. You know what he did? He grabs that baseball and he picks up a pen off the bottom and he signed his name on this baseball. Then he handed it to me and he said, uh, you can give this to your son if you want. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. It's a little humiliating. It's like, oh, I hope he didn't notice I pulled out my pen very eagerly. And just for the record, I'm never signing one of his baseballs now. I mean, I have standards in my life, not many, but a few. And I am not signing it. He lost his chance. How many of y'all know that sin can humble us? Y'all want me on that? And life can humble us. But notice what the Bible is telling us here. We are commanded to humble ourselves. Have you ever heard somebody say this? We'll say this. We, uh, this is a big line. I've heard this all my life. I think somebody says, if you think you're humble, you're probably not. You ever heard that? But can I tell you what I've decided? That's not true. And I want to tell you why that's not true. Because you're commanded to humble yourself. In other words, brothers and sisters, we ought to know whether or not we are. Because the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. It's something you are commanded to do in your life. If I said to you, if you think you're thankful, you're not. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? So that's not right to say, well, if you think you're humble, you're probably not. No, because the Bible says you're supposed to be. So what is this humility? Think of it like this. Give me that next screen there. Watch this right here. This is what humility is. It's an honesty. Here's, here's humility. Humility is just honest. Humility is when I come to the place in my walk with God that I say, hey, God, um, I'm a failure as a husband. God, I don't know how to be the dad I ought to be. God, I sure blow it in this area of my life. I know this isn't right. You, 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 ever, you ever thought like this? I know I should, 
but anybody here been there besides me? I know we ought to have family devotions, but I'm a working man and I'm busy. I don't have all that time preachers have. That's a quote, by the way. I know you ought to have family devotions and pray with your kids, and I know you ought to train them, and I know I ought to love my wife and be a better husband, but honestly, it's when I just come to the place of saying, Lord, I know I don't have family devotions, and I'm embarrassed about that, and I know I'm not right with you because of it, and I'm just letting you know, Lord, I know where I am. How long has it been since you were that raw with God? Just to say, Lord, I know I ought to, have my, I know I ought to read my Bible every day, but I don't. God, I know I ought to tell people about you, but I don't. Just honest. Just honest. Did you know that it's okay just to be flat out honest with God? It's not like he doesn't know. Are, are y'all with me on this? It's not like God's going, well, I didn't know that. God's just waiting on you to get honest in James chapter 4 because he wants to be close to you. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an honesty. It's a matter of saying, God, this is where I am. How long has it been since you paused enough long enough to do a self-evaluation of your life to say, God, this is where I am. This is what could be better. This is what could be stronger. This is what I could subtract. This is what I could add. This is what I could change. And you know, the fact of the matter is, the reason we got to get to God about that in humility is that all of us are different and all of us are at different places in our Christianity. And for whatever it's worth, we ought to be okay with that. When we come to the place where everybody in the church is exactly the same, it usually means there's a problem in the church. Did y'all know that? Because there ought to be people all over the place in the church. There ought to be somebody in the church who doesn't have a clue about anything and is just getting started. There ought to be somebody in the church who's been saved long enough that they feel like they know everything. Not that they do, but they feel like they do. You know what I mean by that? There ought to be all of us in the church like that. But the fact of the matter is that we just got to come to the place where we say, Lord, what could I subtract? What could I add? Like my dad, my dad got saved, and this is the truth, in, a, in, a, in one service, God's, he skipped baptism and church membership and ran all the way to the throw away your TV stage. I'm like, you know, are you serious? Well, that, and then, that's not even wrong necessarily. I've read the Bible cover to cover many, many times, and not one time have I read in the Bible where the Bible says, thou shaltest not to heaven us to televisionist. How many of y'all know that's not there? But my dad and mom, we came to a place in our marriage when we had little ones, and we thought, you know, it's not wrong to have a TV, but we're so crazy busy with our kids. We're distracted, and if we're not careful, we can spend two or three hours watching TV in the evening. When that's two or three hours, we could just slow down and invest in each other. So for us, getting close to God was saying, God, you know what? We're just so too busy. We're going to change that. This is, this, the humility is just kind of a place of saying, God, where am I? What could I do differently? What could I do better? We just got to get honest with God. This is, where, this is where personal revival starts. And what better time of the year to have personal revival than Christmas time? Where our hearts are already turned towards the Lord. We're already thinking about God. Brothers and sisters, it's got to start with humility. That's an honesty. And, and humility is a sweetness, isn't it? Humility has this sweetness about it. Nobody likes an arrogant proud, boastful person, do they? Nobody likes a condescending arrogancy about, about, about somebody. You don't like that. But when you're around somebody that's sweetly humble, that's a beautiful thing. Y'all with me on that? And here's what he says. Humble yourselves on the side of the Lord and he'll lift you up. That's how you get close to God. Draw an eye to God, he'll draw an eye to you. And, he, and I love how he starts out. I read it to you. He starts out by saying, y'all know something? Y'all know this, don't you? 
we got a lot of issues. Did you read that in the first verses there? When he talks about, he says, you know, oh, wars and fightings and, 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 and we, we fuss and we quarrel and we're up one side and down the other and mad and in and out and on and off and hot and cold and we're adulterers and adulteresses and we love the world more than we should. How many of y'all agree? We got issues in our lives. Smile at the person beside you. and Say to them, you got issues. Let's go ahead because it's the truth, isn't it? And there's no doubt about it. But how long has it been since you stopped long enough to say, God, I got to get close to you and the issues of my life are keeping me from being close to you. But if there's fussing and fighting at our house, are we close to God? If we're always mad at each other and we're cantankerous and we come home mad and we get up mad and we're grouchy one minute and we're on one minute and off the next and the kids have to be careful what they say to us because they don't know what mood we're in and, and we're not walking with the Lord. How many of y'all agree we got issues that have to be addressed if we're going to be close to God in our generation? And that's what he says here. starts with humility. Humility is vital to spiritual victory, isn't it? Just all over the word of God. It's vital to spiritual victory. I, I, I thought of it like this. It is vital to revival. You find that theme throughout God's word. Uh, one of most of us would know the Old Testament text to Israel. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's a revival text to Israel there. It's essential for repentance. The Bible says here in James that there's no grace without, without, without humility. It's essential for restoration, isn't it? If there is something between me and somebody else and I come to the altar, Jesus said, and I bring my gift to the altar and remember, wait a minute, I'm not right with so-and-so. Y'all remember these verses? What does he tell us I got to do? I love what he says there. He says, leave your gift at the altar. In other words, God wants the gift. It's right to bring the gift. The gift is good. The gift is not the problem. Leave your gift at the altar, but before you present it fully to God, he said, what you got to do is you got to go to the person where there's ought. You've got to make it right. Y'all remember those verses? You know what that takes? Humility. How many of y'all hate being wrong? Anybody here hate being wrong? Am I the only one? Just hate being wrong, don't you? And then it humiliating to have to say, isn't it humility when we say, you know what, I'm wrong? I told the men this morning, ladies, during the Sunday school hour, my dad had a terrible temper. And uh, he came by to honestly, my grandmother had a terrible temper. She, she, was, a, she was a nasty lady. I, mean, she, I don't mean that to be mean. She just was a mean lady. She's a big lady. She's a little over six feet tall. And, and uh, she's just a big woman. She, you know, about the size of that piano. And, and um, she's, a, she's just a big lady. And she carried a pistol. And she used it. She went to jail. She lost her, her temper and went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law. That was my granny. My dad came by that temper, and Granny, granny was, she just was, she just was just, just a rough woman. Papa and I sat one day at a table in her house, and she was trying to get the lid off of a quart jar of sauerkraut. She couldn't get the lid off, and she didn't ask us to help. Papa could have done it. He milked cows by hand, four cows every morning, four cows every night. He could have gotten the jar lid off. She didn't ask. She got mad. And she turned around and grabbed a butcher knife and put it through the lid of that quart jar. Did you know that when you can, that's under high pressure? Did you know that? She put that, that knife through that quart jar of sauerkraut, and it hit the ceiling. It literally exploded. Boom! And there's ceiling. Uh, there's, you know, sauerkraut on the ceiling. Sauerkraut was dripping. The, the picture I have in my mind was my grandma. She has a, 
a jar of sauerkraut in this hand and a butcher knife in this hand and, and sauerkraut dripping off her nose. That's the memory I have of that. And the other memory I have of that is that Papal did not say a word. Of course, she had a butcher knife. She had been known to go to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law. And um, she cleaned it up. We watched her clean it up. Papal just sat there. I do remember he leaned over and patted my hand later, you know, after she went back to working. And he said, I bet she won't do that again, will she? And I guess not. But here, here's where I'm going with that. My, my dad, my, my dad, you came by that temper, honestly. But I told him in this morning about the night my dad came home from church and humbled himself. He said, I'm sorry. And I'm wrong. I've asked God to help me. You know what happens in a case like that? It's drawing nigh to God. Brothers and sisters, there's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your family. There's hope for your life. There's hope for our generation, but there's no hope without humility because what he's trying to say to us here is you got to humble yourself. That's vital to spiritual victory. It, it, it shows up in, in, in the word revival in the Bible. It shows up in the word repentance. It's even essential for rejoicing because the point seems to be here in James chapter four that there's no joy without humility. Because what does he say here? He said, if you're going to get right with God, you got to let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Why? That's about humility. When I come to the place of saying, God, you know, I've played games long enough. I've excused my wrong long enough. I've let things be wrong too long, and I'm going to get real serious about it. I'm going to stop the silliness, and I'm going to get in your presence and get real serious. Now, that's a verse you don't want to put on your church sign, do you? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And people drive by and go, hey, I want to go to that church. But it is one of the greatest verses you'll find in the Bible about how to get clean with God. We've got to get serious. It's all summed up in one word, humility. There's a second word, and I'm out of time. I expected an amen. <laughs> There's a second word, and I'll close. The first word is humility. Y'all with me on that one? The second word is prayer. Isn't that the point of James? How many of y'all find this in your life? Isn't it amazing how busy you can get and really never pray? How many of y'all ever watch the news? How many ever watch the news? You ever watch the news? How many ever watch the news? How many of y'all find that really encouraging? I almost never watch the news, but I've been staying in a motel, and I've been getting up every morning, going down to the lobby, and getting a cup of coffee, and reading my Bible in the lobby of the motel this, this last couple of days, and the TV's been on, and the news has been on, and I have come to the conclusion we're a messed up world. Are y'all with me on that? Seriously? How do you start your day watching the news every day? By the time I got done with my first cup of coffee, I'm like, I'm ready to like crawl in a hole somewhere and never crawl back out. Politics are a mess and people are a mess. I mean, what in the world? This world is so messed up. And yet here's what we do in our culture. We're like, oh my word, can you believe that? And it is very difficult anywhere in our generation to find people doing this. And the Bible says, we got all kinds of issues. Whence come wars and fightings and quarrels and, and, and murders and all. Where, what are we going to do about all these issues? He says this, well, you have not because you ask not. You almost get the idea that there's a God in heaven that knows about our issues and wants to do something about them. He said, sometimes you do ask and you can't get your prayers answered because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your own lusts. In other words, he says two things there, doesn't he? 
prayer matters is the first one. Prayer matters. It's always right to pray, isn't it? And he says, uh, it's not only right to pray. He says, uh, uh, it, it's right to pray right. There's, it, it's always good to pray, but it's also good to pray right, to pray correctly. We don't just go through the motions. How many of y'all believe that God is real? So we're not supposed to go through the motions. It's so like, okay, Lord, bless the family, bless the children, bless the grandkids. Amen. We, even, we, can, we can just play games even when we pray at the table, can't we? Bless this food that we're about to eat. Amen. What the Bible's saying right here is, no, it's right to pray, but it's also right to pray right. Or we could say it like this. It's right to pray for real. You know the difference in just saying prayers and praying for real? And James addresses prayer like in all kinds of ways. One of the themes of James is prayer. Because he said, hey, if you lack wisdom, you can ask. And God gives it to you liberally if you ask in faith. James is where we find the verse that says this, doesn't he? James chapter 5, he said, is any among you afflicted? Got any problems in your family? Got any problems in your life? Got any heartaches in your life? Got any burdens in your life? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Anybody sick, he says? Anybody sick? Here's what you ought to do. You ought to get as many people together as you can, and you ought to confess your sins, confess your faults one to another. You ought to confess your sins, because if you confess your sins, he will forgive them. But he says you ought to confess your sins and confess your faults one to another, because if you're sick, you ought to pray for the elders of the church and let them anoint you with oil and pray over you in the name of Jesus. And then he says something like this, and this he says it like it's casual. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. In other words, doesn't he say this? Doesn't he say there that prayer can make a difference? Because see, prayer matters. You got a problem in your marriage? Try this. Humble yourself and pray. You burdened about your children? Here's what you do. Humble yourself and pray. And it's not just family, it's everything. You sick? Humble yourself and pray. You battling depression? Humble yourself and pray. You find yourself easily discouraged? Humble yourself and pray. And how many of y'all know that prayer is a matter of faith? And faith is not, don't let faith be tricky to you. Sometimes we, we well, I can't pray because I don't have great faith. You ever thought like that? You ever read this in the Bible? Here's something I read in the Bible. The Bible says very clearly, I know you've read this. The Bible says, if you have faith as a mountain, you can move mustard seeds. Did you ever read that in the Bible? I hope not because it's not there. What does the Bible say? If you have faith as a what? That's not real much. That's not real big. That's not very much. Just a tiny little thing. If that were in the palm of my hand, you probably couldn't see it. In other words, God's not up in heaven going, you know what? If you just had greater faith, I'd move. What God is saying is, you can't, and I know you can't, and you never will, and you never will be able to, and you don't have the power, and you don't have the ability, and the best you're going to do, you're going to blow it. But I care, and I'm here, and I'm in your life, and if you'll just get to me, I'm the one that can move the mountain. I'm the one that can tear down the stronghold. I'm the one that can change you. I mean, y'all praise God that there is a God that can change us. Aren't you glad for that? Say, I got a temper. Well, don't stay there. Humble yourself and pray because God can help you overcome that temper. I'm a lousy husband. All right, fine. We might agree with you. But don't stay there for crying out loud. Humble yourself and pray. I've never had devotions in my life. All right, okay, admit it, but humble yourself and pray. Because God can change that in your life. What's going on in your life? God can change it if you're willing to humble yourself and pray. Prayer matters. Some of you don't even have a prayer life. Start one. 
Start a prayer life this December. This is Christmas. Pray more than you ever have. Start a prayer life. Just, just set us out of time. Daniel prayed three times a day. I don't know you need to do that. It's not commanded. The psalmist prayed morning, noon, and evening three times a day. Jesus prayed all the time. You'll find that just, just start a prayer life. Set aside a time to pray and uh, set aside a place to pray. That You can pray while you're driving, can't you? You should if you're driving out here on this, this, this road. You can pray while you're doing dishes. You can pray while you're exercising. But Jesus said there's a prayer that involves entering into your closet, a place, and, and maybe kneel. That's a posture, time, a place. Just start a prayer life because prayer matters and effectual, fervent prayer works. That's in Ephesians 5. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How many of you are here yesterday? in this auditorium. Do y'all remember the word ravishing yesterday that we talked about? Do y'all remember that word? And we said that word that you have to feel that word. Remember that, y'all? Hey, now, if you weren't here yesterday, you just have to hang on here, all right? But I think this word fervent is similar to that word ravishing. Sometimes we just say a word. All right, it's nice. Be thou ravished with her love. All right, it's nice. Nice word. But it matters if you feel it. Be thou ravished. That's what we said yesterday. Here's the same kind of word. Paul, I'm sorry, James writes and says, the effectual, fervent prayer. Don't just say them, feel them. The effectual, fervent. What does that word feel like to you? The effectual, fervent prayer. Here's Brother Clay going to, uh, is the word revitalize the church? We're happy for you. We need more young men, Pastor Church. There's all kinds of things he's got to do, right? I'm glad he's got a family. He's, uh, with those kids of his, I'd give to the church. Um, those, are, those are some pretty impressive kids, aren't they? They're sweet as all get out. His little boy told me that dad was his favorite preacher, and I assume that's because he hasn't heard me. Um, <laughs> well, that was humble, wasn't it? Speaking of humility, let's see. See, what, what do you do when you're trying to revitalize a church? You know there's no men in the world that can revitalize a church. But there's a God in heaven who can. So what's, what's Brother Clay got to do? He's got to go and get fervent about it, doesn't he? Something like this. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. So many people here in Greensboro, North Carolina, need to be saved. Oh, God. What does fervency even sound like? You, you, got, you got that idea? Oh, oh, God. The Bible says that kind of prayer avails much. Some of you've got a heavy burden about your son or your daughter, your grandson or your granddaughter. What do you do about it? Humble yourself and pray fervently. Oh, God, help. Oh, God, do something amazing and powerful and mighty. Help, help, help. Oh, God, help. Help. Brothers and sisters, have you noticed that in our culture, we just, we just tend to say the prayers and yet there's a God in heaven who, who works. I, I can't explain this to you. How is it that Almighty God can do anything but invites me to partner with him and ask before he does it? I don't, I don't understand that. Brothers, this is what we were talking about a moment ago when we run over here in this building. And, and I, I said to you, you know, Jesus said these words, when you pray, do this. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's loaded. Because Jesus is saying right there, just so you know, my will is always done in heaven. Now, brothers, we touched on this a moment ago. Let's review it, and I'm done. My will is always done in heaven, God says, but not on earth. There's all kinds of things there happening. Number one, we have dominion on this earth. God gave that to us. Genesis, you'll find that. We have dominion. We also find out we have an enemy. What is the goal of the enemy and your family? To destroy it. To separate it from God, right? That's the, the goal of the enemy. You've got a real enemy. So here's what's happening. You have dominion over the earth, so God's going to let you have that dominion and you have an enemy that's going to do everything he can to keep you from God. And Jesus said, here's what you ought to do about all of that. What you ought to do is you ought to say, God, please, God, oh, God, listen, God, help, God, your will be done on earth. In other words, God's will being done on earth is based on your praying. And I confess to you that I can explain that to you. I don't understand that, and I know we've got to go. I'm done here in just a second. But I want, to, I, want, I want you to walk out here today knowing that your prayers are so important because your prayers are essential to the will of God being done on this earth. I can explain that to you. I don't know that I fully understand it, but it is exactly what Jesus says. And he says, look, here's all you got to do. You got to pray in faith. And faith is twofold, and this is how I'm done. Faith says, God, you're out there, and that's why I'm praying. So there's confidence, isn't there? Can God heal, yes or no? Sure, so pray about it. Can God work in the heart of my son or daughter? Yes or no? So pray about it. Can God do miracles? You better believe it, so pray about it. It's not me. It's not my ability. It's not even the size of my faith necessarily. It's that there is a God who is almighty and powerful and amazing and can do anything, and he says, come on, come talk to me about it, and I'll go to work. If that doesn't put you on shouting ground, maybe you ought to pray about that. So I pray in faith. Is that fair? But faith, faith is not just confidence, it's trust. So I go to God on this basis and I say, Lord, let's take healing. God, I've got cancer and you got, oh Lord, would you heal this? God, I know you can. I don't care how you heal it, Lord. You can use medicine or you can do a miracle, but I sure want you to heal it. God, if you use medicine, I'm okay with that. But if you want to do a miracle, Lord, I'm really okay with that. God will you. I'm praying in faith, confidence. But at the same time, on the other side of that coin, I say, now, Lord, I'm going to trust you. If, if your plan is that this is my way to be with you, can I say this gently? That we believe in heaven. I'm 52 years old, and I'm Dave Young. A friend of mine introduced me the other day as Dave not so young. I was slightly offended. But I know that something's going to take me out of this world, isn't it? So I pray in trust. I pray in faith. Lord, if you're giving me this cancer because this is my, my way in this sin-cursed world to come be with you, I'm okay with that. I'm praying in confidence because you're almighty and I want you to heal me. But I love you so much that, yeah, there's things I don't want to happen, but I know I'd be with you. So I can pray in trust. Does this make sense? Like COVID was a serious matter, wasn't it? I got friends in heaven because of COVID. I handle stuff by humor. It's just my personality. 
I found a Walmart meme that said, Walmart wants us to wear masks. Then it said, good luck with that. They can't get some people to wear pants. And I thought, no, that's pretty funny, isn't it? So I laughed. But here's what I also know. What if, what if COVID takes my life? Think of it like this. Aren't you a child of God? Yes or no? Is your God real? Then you can't scare us with heaven. Don't you, don't you feel sorry for Lazarus? Lazarus died, went to heaven. Jesus brought him back. I think he was mad when he came out of the tomb. You know, we always shout about it. Praise God, Jesus rose. He was raised from the dead by the power. And that's amazing. But imagine Lazarus. He's in a place where there's no sin, no sorrow, no suffering, no disease, no dying, no death, no decay, no, I mean, everything is perfect. And Jesus brings him back. I think he walked out of the grave going, really? Seriously? For crying out loud, y'all. And then the rest of his life was a mess because every time he turns around, the disciples, or the, uh, the Pharisees were like, we'll kill him again. Like, poor guy, you can't scare us with heaven, can you? Brothers and sisters, I've come to tell you two things in these 40 minutes. We've got to humble ourselves and pray. That's the answer to every situation going on in your life, your home, your marriage, your heart, your family, your kids, your grandkids. Humble yourself and pray. Every failure, humble yourself and pray. Need a miracle? Humble yourself and pray. There's a God in heaven who invites us to do it. Because here's what he says. You know what I want, God says? This is what I want. I want to be close to you. Draw nigh to me. Draw near to me. Get close to me. And I will draw nigh to you. You come on, I'll come. I'll meet you. Isn't that that incredible? So what's going on in your life today? What's happening in your heart? Before we go to lunch, before we have the Lord's table and go to lunch today, Let's examine our lives a little bit. Could you start a prayer life? Could you pray in faith about something? Maybe you've been praying in confidence but struggling because you're not trusting. Maybe the thing you could say today to God is, I'm going to trust you. Maybe it's been a while since you've prayed in great boldness about a situation in your home, your family. Let's do it before we close the service. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.